0: You ever, you ever just sense something? You ever feel like there's something in the air, and it's just like, I man, that's what I'm telling. 2019 uh, is going to be amazing, and I just can't wait. Well, I guess I have to wait, but it's it's one of those things. It's just like, man, and, and it's it's going to be a great opportunity to, for us to stretch and grow in our faith. And and if faith is anything for the for the children of God, it's everything for us, man. We live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So so I want to encourage you to to uh, let's partner together, let's run together, let's run this race, let's see what God is going to do for us. Can we do that? Amen. I mean, I, I'm excited about Camp Gladiator coming up next week. You know, and in light of that, I, I decided to take uh, the opportunity and I cleaned our house out of all the, all the holiday stuff that's not good for you. And it was really delicious. Uh, uh. I want to talk to you about for the next few weeks. We're going to camp on 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8, and I would encourage you to kind of walk through that in your own daily readings. It's it's a passage of Scripture that can be easily overlooked. But I want you to to look at it. I want you to to peruse it. I want you to to allow it to marinate within your heart, within your mind, and and begin to, to really look at it because when you begin to... Peel the layers off of what Paul is talking about. There is some rich truths that I believe apply to us today. Uh, And I, I want to talk to you the next few weeks about being a complimentary sacrifice. We're going to get into that part later on in another two or three weeks. But what I mean by a complimentary sacrifice, Paul is telling Timothy, his son in the Lord, and and this is usually called, this passage has been called Paul's will and testament because he knows he's getting ready to die. He knows his time is at hand and he's not unhappy about it because he'd already said uh, to to be with the Lord is gain, but to, to be with you is, is a profit for you. But for me, hey, I'd rather be with the Lord. And so, and he's looking at Timothy and, and he loves Timothy. He, he, this is his son in the faith. And he remembers him coming to the Lord. He remembers his, he, you know, when they laid hands on Timothy and the Lord filled him with the spirit. And, and he has watched Timothy grow. He has sent Timothy to straighten and strengthen churches. he, has a great passion and desire to see Timothy succeed. And here he is, and and he's giving these last words to Timothy, and he's so excited about it. And he tells Timothy, he says, man, I'm like a drink offering getting ready to be poured out. And, And we're going to talk about what a drink offering is. But a drink offering, in essence, is a complimentary sacrifice. It's it's wine and oil mixed together, and it wasn't the the main sacrifice, but it was a complement too. And and Paul was saying, I am not the great sacrifice because Christ is the great sacrifice. But my life has been a complement to His. Think about that. Is your life a complementary sacrifice to Christ's? Allow that to resonate in your own hearts. As I began to look at that and, and read that, man, it just really, it really grabbed me. It grabbed me deep on the inside, and I, I started looking at it, and, and that's what I want to, to talk about for the next few weeks. But look, here's, here's, here's Paul, and he's talking to Timothy, and, and in verse 1 he says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in the view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Think about that. He's serious about this one. He's saying, Timothy, if I've ever told you anything that's true, this is it. So Paul approaches it with a seriousness. He he gives him the Christian version of the double dog dare. He's saying, Timothy, man, you got to look at this. He said, In light of, in the presence of God and of Christ, the creator and the ruler and and the judge of all, who's going to judge the living and the dead, Christ is going to judge those that have life, eternal life, his children at the Bema seat, at the judgment seat of Christ. And he's also going to judge those that are dead at the great white throne judgment, those that are dead in their trespasses and sin. Christ is going to judge everybody. And you say, well, well, but when I'm a, I'm a child of God, I, I'm not going to be judged. Yes, you are. All of us will be judged. It's just a different judgment. The Bema Seat of Christ, if you ever go to, to, to Greece and you, you can go to Old Corinth, you can stand there where, and they still have the, the Bema Seat, the judgment seat, where those that ran races were given their rewards and and all of us all of God's people are going to stand before him and we're going to be given rewards based on what we have done for him Paul said that some are barely gonna make it others are gonna have great reward I don't know about you they used to sing songs like just give me a shack on the in, on the outskirts of heaven as long as I make it I'm okay well that's just dumb I don't know about you, but I don't want to barely make it. As Paul said, be careful in how you build upon this foundation, because the foundation is Christ and, and, and whatever you build in this life. Some things will be, be burnt away because they, they didn't have eternal value, but the things that you've done for Christ will remain forever. And what Paul is trying to help Timothy understand is, listen, you're not living your life for your own self. You're not living your life to look good in front of other people. You're living your life in the view of God and Christ. The things that we do, the things that we say, the places that we go, what we're actually doing. He said, Who, the one person that's really going to matter is Christ. He's the one that's going to stand there and judge what you have done in this life. I I don't know about you, but uh, I think about that and, and, and I want to have that perspective that that all the things that I do in this life are for Him. In view Of his appearing in his kingdom. Think about that. What he's now he's shifting. He says you're not only going to be judged by Christ, but in view of eternity, what's really going to happen? Because this life is just a facade. It's an illusion. It's smoke and mirrors. It's it's just temporary. It's here today and gone tomorrow. It's like the flower that blooms today and tomorrow it's going to be gone. But when Christ comes back and sets up his kingdom, it's not going to be temporary. It's going to be eternal. And he said, in view of that, live your life, live your life in view that Christ is going to come back in all of the despair, and all of the sin, in all of the inhumanity to, to man and, and everything that makes our heart break in this life is going to be conquered and subdued and removed All of the things that bring temporary pleasure are going to be gone. And it's only Christ's kingdom that will last. He said, so I I want you to understand, Timothy, that you live your life in the presence of God and Christ. And the things that you do, are you doing them for your advantage or for Christ's advantage? Are you doing them to build your kingdom or his kingdom? Because his kingdom is coming. Our kingdom is temporary. And Paul encourages Timothy to live a life to doing what Christ desires and not this world. See, living with an eternal mindset, to me, is essential for a productive life for Christ. We can't be productive for Christ if we're focused on the things of this world. But when we're focused on the eternal, everything has a different perspective. I don't know if you, there's a couple of videos out on on YouTube, and they're really amazing. One one artist, uh, he's a photographer, and he just took random pictures and took video of people walking around looking at their phones. And he took the phones out. And you just see these random people walking around like this. And it's amazing, they're missing everything around them. See, that's what happens to us when we're focused on on this life. Because most of us, most of us don't think that we can live without that phone. Because in our hand, there is more power than, than the computers that sent a man to the moon in 1969. In our hand. Right there. If you don't know an answer, you can find it. Who needs to go to the library? It's right there in your hand. Everything you need. It's a powerful tool. But if you're so focused on that, you'll miss everything else around you. And Paul is trying to help Timothy understand if you're focused on this life, no matter how good and how great and how glorious it may be, you're missing everything else that God really wants you to see. So so it's important. He's saying live with an eternal perspective because sometimes we can fall short of seeing what God wants when our eyes are diverted. I, I love in the scripture, was talking about king david he'd already become king and and while he was striving to be king and he had been anointed king and and man he had a valiant walk in relationship with god but once everything was kind of nice he kind of got his eyes on this world and and i believe it's in second kings where where it talks about at a time when kings go forth to battle david tarried at a time when he should have been out doing the work of the lord he stayed home, and, and when he stayed home and sent somebody else to do his job, when, when he was working and worrying about the things of this, this world, he went up to his, his rooftop because he was a little bit bored, and that's when he looked over and saw Bathsheba. And that's when lust set in and adultery that ended up in murder, all because his perspective was on the wrong thing. So I think that as we we walk through the year, as we walk, I want to give you this charge, just as as Paul told Timothy, I'm I'm asking myself and I'm asking you, let's keep our eyes on, on Christ. Let's keep our eyes on the eternal perspective. Let's follow after him. Let's see what God has in store for us. Let's not be so focused on the things that are happening around us that we fail to look up and see the glory of God around us as well. He gives him this charge. He says, I give you this charge. And I love that word charge. It's really an oath. He's saying, hey, I'm going to give you this oath. I I want you to take this oath. I want you to take this vow. Ecclesiastes 5, 5 tells us it's better to not make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. And he said, Timothy, here's what I want you to do, man. Okay, I'm I'm almost out of here. I'm checking out. I'm going to be with God. I got a crown of glory awaiting me. Can't wait. It's fit." just perfect and you know God already knows the size of my head I'm ready to roll brother he said but but I want you to have a I want you to be able to fight a good fight and keep the faith and I want you to have everything that is awaiting me and he says it's awaiting for all of us that that, that do this and he said here's what I want you to do Timothy he said preach the word think about that for a moment he he gives him this charge and this is not just for preachers do you realize that each and every one of us is, is a preacher in this regard? When Matthew 28, where Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples, he wasn't just talking to the select few, he's talking to all of us. Do you realize that you become a preacher of the gospel the minute you give your life to Christ? Because you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. We're preaching about the good things that Christ has done for us and what, what, people cannot take away from you what they cannot dispute is your personal experience i don't care what people think what people say what people do when it comes down to it if you can say this is what christ has done for me they say well i don't i don't know if i believe that god does that well i do because this is what happened to me your personal testimony is powerful of what christ did And I I love what what he's saying here. He said, preach the word. I want to give you this charge, and I want to encourage you. And I'm I'm encouraging myself. I I am looking at this from from a perspective of preaching the word, proclaiming Jesus, to be a herald, to proclaim openly the goodness of our Christ. And we are called to proclaim the message of Christ. And then look what he says. He says, be prepared in season and out of season. When it's convenient, when it's not convenient. You're you're prepared at all times. It's not about, oh, I'm going to pray about it. And when the time is right, then I'm going to share Christ. Paul is saying, listen, there are some times that, man, everything just falls into place. And it's just great. You ever, you ever had that? You ever, you ever been able to testify or, or share the goodness of Christ with somebody and it almost like angels are carrying you over to the place and God's presence is there and it's like, wow, this is great. And they give their life to Christ and you think, yes, this is what I like. But what about those times that it's not so convenient? You ever have one of those? I remember sharing, sharing Christ with a, with a young man in front of a 7-Eleven. And there were no angels and there was no presence, but I felt compelled to share the gospel. And what I received was spit in the face and walked away brokenhearted for him because he had rejected Christ, not me. Be prepared in season and out of season. He said, when you're preaching, your preaching should correct and rebuke and encourage It means to admonish. It doesn't mean to to condemn, because man condemns, but God convicts. It's just being able to to show people that this is the true way. This is what God wants, to preach the truth. We preach with, with great patience and careful instruction. Do you realize that our primary responsibility as a Christian is to preach the Word of God? Yours and mine. It's not to study the Word, it's to preach the Word. Of course, to preach it, you need to study it. Our primary responsibility is to preach the Word of God, what He has done for us. That's where Paul said, I mean, where where Christ said, go and make disciples of all nations. We are to preach the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul telling the church in Corinth, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us. Think about that for a moment, that you're the ambassadors of Christ, that that if Christ is going to make an, an appeal, it's not going to be through an angelic host that's going to come down and proclaim that Christ is born, and it's not going to be through seraphims or cherubims or any other creation. God makes his appeal to humanity through humanity. We are his hands and feet. We are his voice in this world. We are the voice that says that there is a savior. There is a redeemer. There is a healer. There is one that brings blessing. There is one that brings forgiveness. There is one that grants eternal life. And his name is Jesus. That's us. That's our part. That's what we get to do. We are making his appeal. He's making his appeal through us. And our, and our appeal is, be reconciled to God. Can I, can I share with you something that, that's been on my heart? And, and, and it, I know it's not always easy to share the gospel. I know it's not always easy to, to, to step out and do that. But it doesn't change the Word of God. That that's what we are called to to do. I remember when, when I was a new Christian the Bible tells us that the Spirit and Bride say come but when I was a new Christian I always had somebody with me in church every single week. Every single week there was always somebody new with me. I remember bringing this one guy, this, this homeless guy with me once and we, we sat down he didn't smell very good. In fact, I remember you know we're sitting in church and 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 the people in the row in front of us they were doing this. they couldn't figure out where the smell was coming from until they looked back and for the rest of the service, they leaned forward, but he needed Christ. I remember doing that I, you know and just it just anybody and you know I remember getting getting involved in like a ministry going to the hospital and visiting the sick, you know, because I just wanted to help anybody and everybody I could. And, and, and I remember there, even the weeks that we didn't have anybody in the hospital, I'd get a whole pocket full of tracks, you know, Jesus saves, you know, my pocket was sticking out here. And, and, and I'd walk through the aisles, uh, the halls of the, uh, the hospital praying, Lord, which room do you want me to go in? I'd just walk in and start sharing the faith. And, because it was, and, and here's what my motivation was. I mean, I, I mean there were some people that, that, that came to Christ. There were some people that I just rubbed raw and you know, irritated them. But, the, but my motivation was this. I couldn't imagine anybody going to hell. When I started thinking about my family and my friends and, and, and those that I didn't know when I just stood there and I would watch people come and go and I'd watch their attitudes and I'd watch what they were doing and, and I'd realize that if they don't know Christ, they're going to spend eternity lost and without hope and, and it just broke my heart and it made me Compelled me to do things that would stretch me and get beyond who who I thought I was and in in my own ego and how I would look and how I would be presented by other people and it and it brought me to a place that I would begin to pray and weep and cry because I didn't want anybody to be lost because after all that's what brought me to Christ was people praying for me that I would not be lost. But that was my motivation. The idea of spending eternity in torment just brought an ache to my soul. I didn't want to see anybody do that. And then I went to Bible college. And, and when I went to Bible college, I, I, I began to, to focus on knowing the word and I, and I focus a little less on proclaiming the Word. And don't get me wrong, I, I, I love education. I, I love, I, I read constantly. I'm always growing and trying to grow in knowledge for that one day that I make Jeopardy. <laughs> right now, I'm still Will of Fortune material, but um, one day. But I, I, I just love education, I love learning, but there was something that happened and, and, and then I went to seminary and there was something that happened in seminary to me and, and that I got so wrapped up in knowledge. I mean, because you start learning about soteriology and every other ology. And, and it's fascinating and it, and it grabs the mind and, and you begin to, to look at God in this great expanse and there's something that happens to a lot of, of men and women that are in seminary that, that they begin so focused on God that they don't do anything for God. And, and, and there's this thought that, 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 that kind of prevails that, that if you're preaching the word, then you can preach it to others and it's the others that go out and proclaim it. And that's just not right. Do you realize that there are more young ministers that lose out with God in seminary than any other time? And you say, well, there could be a variety of reasons. Yes, there is, but I think there's one really primary one. Is that we forget that our primary focus is to preach the Word of God. To proclaim it from a heart that is broken for humanity, that, that sees humanity lost and without hope. And we have hope, and we have, we have the glory of God in our lives, and it's so amazing, and you can get so wrapped up in studying the Word of God. And here's what happens when, when and, and I have to, and I'm openly admitting this, and I apologize for, for the church in and the, and the past, and, that, and this is why I'm not that way today. Is, is I got so wrapped up in it that I that I focused on the smoke machines and the and the and the lights and the mirrors and, and everything else, and the church was growing, and it was growing through transfer growth and every other growth, and except for people giving their life to Christ. And it got somewhere down the line I realized, man, this is not what it's about, and this is not what church is about. Church is about transformed lives. Church is about seeing people that are that, that walk in and they are bound by habits of, of drugs and alcohol and pornography and everything else give their lives to Christ and watch Christ set them free. That's what church is about. It's not about how much knowledge I can gain. And, and I understand. I love knowledge. If you talk to me more than five minutes, I'm going to tell you, oh, I read an article about that. I love knowledge, but my knowledge cannot replace the passion and desire to preach the Word of God because there is a world that needs Him, and not only does it need Him, we have the truth. We have what it takes. But the problem that, that, that I wrestled with was this understanding in me that it was me that brought people to the Lord and I was underestimating the gospel see when I get fearful well will this person receive man I, I am not given any credence to God at all I, I, I'm looking at it like oh it's up to me and it's never been up to me and can I share something with you it's not about you either It's about unleashing the presence of God in our life and just sharing the good news and letting Him do the work. Because it's never about us. So I'm so glad. I'm glad that, I, that the Lord helped me understand. That's why when I, when I first arrived here two years ago, I, I told you it was about Christ crucified. That's who I am, that's, and that's what I want to be, that's what I desire to be, is, and I understand that real growth in me. And this is the great thing about me, and this is the great thing about humanity. We want to be closer to God, but you know what keeps us closer to God? Proclaiming the Word. Because when we're sharing the love of God out of a heart of love, our heart begins to beat in rhythm, And we hurt for what He hurts for. And we rejoice with what He rejoices with. It's about preaching the Word. I, I, I'm going to ask our praise team to come back if they would. When Jesus asked him to go out and make disciples... Making a disciple is, is when you can teach what you know. It's the highest form of learning because you really get it, you caught it, you understand it. And that's when we can when we can share our faith. And when I talk about sharing our faith, it's not about it being eloquent, it's about being heartfelt. You ever, you ever? heard somebody pray, and it's like, wow, I wish I could pray like that. I mean, such eloquence. You know, they're praying, and you think, man, he, they, he probably spent $47 on that word alone. I mean, just amazing. But if you read the scripture, it's not about eloquence. It's about the grace of God. It's about the goodness of God. Because with Peter and John, when they had the Lord had used them to heal the, the man, lame man in Acts 3, at the end of that story, Scripture says that they took note that they had been with Jesus. May it be said of all of us that we take note, that people take note, that they have been with Jesus. Not that they have... Eloquent speech or great vocabulary but that they have been with Jesus that they say the same things Jesus did that they feel the same way Jesus did in 1 Corinthians when Paul is, is talking to the church about, about communion which we're getting ready to partake of this is what he said he said for, for I received from the Lord what for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Notice, notice there's, a, there's a couple of words in there that I, that I really find fascinating. That when Christ was speaking to them through Paul's account, it, he doesn't say, when you teach this, or when you instruct others on this, but when you do this. See, communion is about something we do because doing an action gives us the opportunity to participate and to share in the remembrance of Christ. It's not just remembering. It's an action that, that the church does, that, that, that we're coming together and we're saying Christ gave His body and broke it For us and that Christ shed his blood that we could have forgiveness and pardon and remission of sins that Christ did this so when we stand and when we come what we're saying is I believe in the sacrifice of Christ and I believe in the blood of Christ and I am openly confessing that Christ is my savior It's an action. It's a participation. It's something that that we do. It's not just an an ethereal understanding, but it's something that's rooted deep in our heart, in, in the very recesses of our soul, that we know, that we know, that we know that Christ is our Savior, and He is coming back, and He is setting up His kingdom, and we are part of that kingdom. It's also a time for us to to look back and say, Lord, I'm coming. And I want to do your will. Can I challenge you today as we prepare to, to take communion in just a moment? I want to challenge you to look at your life. Are you preaching the gospel? And you say, well, pastor, you, you know, you're meddling now. I'm really not meddling. I do have a a keen awareness and understanding that if you want to be set free in life to live a victorious life, it comes through sharing the good news. If you want to have a church that's vibrant and live and and real and, and that's impacting the community and turning it right side up for Christ, it comes through sharing the gospel. If you want to have a right relationship with God, that that you that you're not being distracted by the things of this world, it's casting those things off by sharing the gospel. I cannot tell you enough that the things of this world are temporary. But what we do for Christ is eternal. He's inviting us as a church. If you're visiting today, I'm so thankful that you are here. And and if you're a Christian, you are welcome to participate with us. But I want to speak to you, our church, our, this body of believers right here. That, that, and I want to encourage you, I want to help you understand that we are on the precipice. We are on the very edge of something amazing that God is getting ready to do. But we can't do it without being what Christ wants us to be. And that is those that share the good news. Let's take that step of faith. Let's not trust in ourselves. Let's not think that, oh, if I'm going to share the gospel, then then somebody's going to reject me. If they reject it, they're rejecting Christ, not you. The thing we worry about is, is our heart right when we're sharing it? If you want to see the glory of the Lord in your life, Let's see what God will do with us. Can we do that?